This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa. Wa salatu wa salamu ala man istafa. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن ولا وبعض فإن الأستق الحديث كلام الله القرآن الكريم وخير الحج حج محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أيها الأخوة الكرام وأخوات السيدات السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أعوذ بالله السمع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم My dear Muslim brothers and sisters it is of course a great honor and a privilege to offer nasiha to Muslims of Trinidad, while you have an ample amount of esteemed, qualified ulama and fuqaha and students of knowledge to offer this kind of nasiha to you on an ongoing basis. And it is always puzzling for me as a new Muslim, according to the the ma'na, the the Islamic ma'na of Muslim al-Jadud, Muslim al-Jadid, a new Muslim, an individual who have accepted Islam while his mother, his father, his grandparents, and his general society where he came from, they were not Muslims. And even though I accepted Islam in 1965. I am of the category of people who are considered to be new Muslims. And I feel honored and grateful that the people of knowledge, the people of who are my elders and who represent the guiding body of this community and the community of Trinidad and the students who study under them and the Muslims who rely upon their guidance I'm very grateful that you have allowed me to come here to offer a few words and I won't do more than that there is a well-known athar of Ali ibn Abi Talib he said, خير الكلام خير الكلام ما قل ودل 
And we will do our best to try to keep that spirit to offer what we consider to be pregnant and prolific words that are concise and to the point. I have no pretensions of scholarship in spite of whatever people say. And may Allah reward the people for what they say. But Allah will give out the titles and the determinations on the Day of Judgment. But I want to say to you that I have sat in the company of a few prestigious people. And like the companions of the Prophet if they only caught some water that dropped from his wudu, there was something they got from him. And from other prestigious people that I have been able to sit with, I just caught a few words. I heard something they said. But one of my first teachers, whom I finished the reading of Quran with a few times during the, my time that I was favored to study with him, his name was Hafiz Maqbul Ilahi, who is Hafiz and Qari from Punjab. And I studied Quran with him some four or five years until completing the Yassar al-Quran, you know the, you may call it the Qaida, all the way up until we spelled the entire Quran like that, until he allowed me to read from the Quran directly, until he was satisfied with the makhraj and makharaj and the some of the rules of tajweed and alhamdulillah by the grace of Allah I was able to finish the hifz of the Quran from qad sami'a to ilannas and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive me for any portion of that which I have not applied or forgotten but it was with Hafiz Maqbul Ilahi that I memorized the surah which is called Yasin. And hence, this is why he gave me that name. I became a Muslim and my name was Khalid Abdul Wahhab. But when I finished memorizing the surah Yasin, he said to me, if you will take the name Yasin, Shame on you if you should forget this surah. <laughs> so alhamdulillah, I'd never forget the surah, alhamdulillah. Also, I was fortunate to spend one chilla with the Jamaat Tabligh in Raiwin. And I visited the places where this work began in Miwat. And I was fortunate enough to sit with some of the people, and I did khususi jamaat throughout India, 
and Pakistan. So the work is what, you know, you can't get far from your mother. That wherever we go, if the knowledge took us other places, and if our teachers that we sat with gave us more extension on some issues, we never go too far from the root. And so I started in this work. And this is the, where I learned most of the adab of the masjid and the prayers and the, the work and respecting the scholars and the students and the knowledge itself and all the points that those who are involved in this kind of work which you know that it contains. I always say to new Muslims, study with whomsoever you want to study with. Pray where you want to pray. Read what you want to read. But if you want to obtain a crash course, a crash course in 40 days of what every Muslim needs to have when they come into the womb of Islam, when they come out of the womb of the Jahiliyyah into the world, when they come out of the Jahiliyyah into the womb, I mean into the crib, into the world of Islam, and you're just a baby, an incubation, I tell them, find the jama'ah, find the jama'at wherever they are, and go with them. No, you don't have to go all the way with them. That's your choice. If you go with them and you want to stay, stay. But go with them and spend 40 days. Because they're the only ones that I know of who've got that special kind of program that in 40 days they can take a man from brand new and after 40 days he at least has the fundamentals he's got it nobody else has been able to do that that I know of among the alhamdulillah by the grace of Allah since 1965 I have been fortunate enough to travel to at least 23 of the Muslim countries and another perhaps 27 of the countries that where Muslims live as minorities. So I think I've seen a little bit of the world. And I haven't seen neither Arab nor African nor Asian nor anyone who has been able to do that in 40 days. Also, I always tell a person who wants to come back to Islam, who lost their Islam, who lost their identity, who lost their way, uh, born a Muslim, but they lost their way, and they're trying to find their way, I say, find the Jamaat. And don't ask a lot of questions, just find out what you need to be with them and go. And in 40 days, you'll find your way back. And I don't say this because I'm here, I say this because that is the truth. And Allah, He knows, because He's the witness. Allah is Samir Al-Alim. But I want to say to my elders in this work, the scholars and the students of knowledge and the other Muslims here, that this past 40 years of struggling to be a Muslim, and I don't want to say more than that, struggling to be a Muslim, 
Not struggling to become somebody, just struggling to be a Muslim. In this 40 years of struggling to be a Muslim, that is, a Muslim according to the identity and the description which the Qur'an gives. Not Muslim according to what Muslims define, because if that's the case, just if I follow somebody's culture and stay with them a while, I probably would be Muslim enough. But to be Muslim in the world which we live in today, it is not easy. And what I mean by that, to be Muslim, not just in the masjid. Because it is difficult to be Muslim in the masjid because you're just dealing with other Muslims. And there's always this competition and this criticizing and this measuring and this uh, back and forth and differences and hearing so many things and just inside the masjid challenges. But still, the real challenges are not inside the gymnasium where the people are lifting the weights. And, and the masjid is like that. Yes, it is the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it is the place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us and ordered us to visit on a daily basis to do what? To practice. To go through the rituals. To develop the tools that we need to leave the masjid and go out into the earth, into the world. Because when we go out into the earth and into the world and we meet other human beings, some like animals, most like animals, some sophisticated animals and others just pure animals. When we go out into the world of the human beings, who are like different kinds of rocks and different kinds of metal that have to be burnt and developed. That's where the challenge is. Because Allah gives us the tools and the seeds, but we have to go out into the field and dig the soil, plant the seed, and cultivate it for something to come. It won't come inside the masjid. What will come inside the masjid is your benefit. But this deed is not just for your and my benefit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not for your and my benefit. He said, وَمَا أَرْسَرْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةِ لِلْعَالَمِينَ أين العالمين? Where is العالمين? العالمين he is Al-Amin. He is Al-Amin. But that's not what it is. It's Al-Amin. The whole world of men and jinn. Macro, micro. What we see, what we can't see. If there is another world, another earth, we don't know. Then Muhammad was also sent for that world. So this message is for everyone. But the question is, why with all the knowledge with all the beautiful books that we can read today, with all the DVDs and the technology and everything that we have today, what excuse do we have that every human being in whatever language they speak and wherever they live, that this deen is not known 
Why is Muhammad not known? Why is the Quran not known? It is because don't blame the kuffar. Don't say the kuffar that they are this and they are that and they are oppressing us and they are that is right. But this has been their characteristic from the beginning. Never did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send a prophet or a messenger but that salam, but that he sent them opponents in front of them to punish them, to test them, to oppress them, to aggravate them, to stop them. This is the manner, the sunnah of Allah. And never will the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala change. So, it is expected because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to seek knowledge. When we open up the book of Sahih al-Bukhari, MashaAllah, the second most reliable source of information after the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sahih al-Bukhari. Now I know others have came recently and said that they found some weak hadith in Sahih Bukhari. I know that. In fact, I have been in that, those countries and been in those companies of people who said they found some weak hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. And okay, fine. But Sahih Bukhari is not ma'asum. He is not ma'asum. Only Rasulullah is ma'asum. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, although he was the closest human being to Muhammad wasallam, he asked his daughter and he asked others, don't take any hadith from me. So when you open Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, you find and he says, and Abi Bakr radiallahu anhu, why? He didn't relate, relate none? He knew better than everybody. But he remembered that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, let him or her who relates from me something which they know is not from me take their seat in the hellfire. So Abu Bakr had this kind of taqwa that he didn't want to take that chance. So Imam Bukhari, Rahimahullah, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him according to the number of people who have ever read from him. Amen. According to that, that all the ahadiths, not just that he made sahih, but that he wrote and that he made two rak'ah before he decided to enter it or to leave it. Some 36,000 that he examined. May Allah give him those rewards and more than what Allah know he deserves. But who found a weak hadith in Sahih Bukhari? It's okay. But he cannot sit with Imam Bukhari. And his name should not be mentioned with Imam Bukhari. And he should not become famous or distinguished before because he found a weakness in something that Imam Bukhari left. But he should become distinguished that he was that he was privileged enough to read from Sahih al-Bukhari and use that as a foundation for his knowledge in hadith. But the point is here, we have become so sophisticated in our knowledge. Subhanallah, it is almost like the time when the Muslims had reached an apex 
in their civilization in Iraq, in Basra. You remember that time? Just before Genghis Khan came and slaughtered the Muslims. The Muslims was at what stage? The knowledge was overflowing. The wealth was overflowing. The power of the Muslims was from one end of the earth to the other. But the Iman of the Muslims had sunk and their identity was no longer respected. And so Allah, he allowed one of his filthy creatures to come and contaminate and destroy and desecrate and humiliate the Muslims like they have never been humiliated since. Desert storm and Af what happened in Afghanistan and what's happening in Iraq and Kashmir and what's going on in Palestine is nothing compared to what Genghis Khan and those filthy people they did to the Muslims of that time. But Allah, we, subhanAllah, He has His plans. إِنَّهُمْ يَكِيدُونَ كَيْدَ وَعَكِيدُ كَيْدَ فَمَحِرِ الْكَافِرِينَ أَمْهِلْهُمْ رُوَيْدَ We never know what is Allah's plan, why He does what He does. وَمَا يَعْلُوا جُنُودِ رَبِّكَ إِلَّا هُوْ We don't know from where the armies of Allah will come. But this wrath from Allah came in the form of some filthy people whose height of their enjoyment was to drink the urine from each other and to drink the blood of their enemies and to crack their skulls open and to eat their brains like that, just eat it out the skull. And they cared nothing even for the wealth which was in Baghdad. They didn't care about the books, the wealth, the nothing. They just left burnt ashes. That's it. What kind of people is that? Those is the kinds of people whom Allah will send to this ummah when this ummah deviates from its path. That's what Allah sends. When this ummah deviates, Allah, He sends some people who care nothing for your people, for your places, for your children, for your resources, for your, for your indignity, for your integrity, for your honor, for your religion. They care nothing. And this is what we are experiencing today. Did the Prophet ﷺ say to us, you correct me if I'm wrong. He said, a time will come when the nations of the world will gather themselves around you like a group of hungry, hungry people will gather themselves around a plate of food when it's put in their midst. Like some raw meat is thrown in the midst of some hungry dogs. They will just growl and fight each other for it. Today, the United Nations and, uh, and the coalition of kuffar they are selecting Muslims like they are a buffet. Like we are a buffet. Today we want this one and this one tomorrow. Oh, don't worry, we got that one already. We had that before. I don't like that. Let's take this one. 
and Allah allows them to do that. They're not doing this by their own power because la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Wallahi, they couldn't raise their hand. They could not kill a fly if it were not by the qadr and the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Prophet ﷺ told us in another hadith that he was speaking to one of his companions, know that if a nation were to gather together to cause you some harm, they could not cause you any harm except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had intended for you. And if they were to gather together to cause you some benefit, they could not cause you any benefit except a benefit which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already meant for you. The pens have been lifted and the pen, uh, the, the pens have been lifted and the paper and the ink is dry. Qadr! So what is happening to us is happening by the qadr and the permission of Allah. But the Muslims are the kinds of people who have inside of them servants of Allah that when they are punished, they wake up. And this ummah is waking up. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even for his punishment. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Ala kulli hal. For the khair and the sharr. Because if Allah wants some good for me, alhamdulillah. If he wants something else for me, mashallah. The idea is to wake up and to say, as the Prophet Yunus alayhi salam said, ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dharimeen we are the ones doing the wrong we're doing the wrong and until we do what's right other punishments will continue to come until Allah is pleased with us when he's pleased with us he will give to us what he gave to others whom he was pleased with he will send his servants from among other creatures, whether they be human or jinn, whether they be from the animals, whether they be from malaika, he will send them to aid us. If it's the wind, if it's the earth or the mountains, the trees, the samat, Allah will give them the command to help his creatures. And if Allah gives the earth that command, he will cause parts of these kuffar's kingdoms just to be swallowed. If Allah gives the ocean his command, he will send a malaika that will just wave his wing and send something like a tsunami they never saw. If Allah give his command, he will cause mountains around them to come as he offered the Prophet ﷺ when he went to Ta'if. Do you remember that? If Allah he wants, he can raise some young men like Usama ibn Zayd. He can raise some men like that who care nothing for the dunya. He said one day that my love is for Allah and His Messenger wasalam, and for me the dunya is like a drop of water when it hits the ground when the sun is in the top of the sky. The dunya is like that. And for us, we don't care about dunya. What we want is the akhirah. Usama ibn Zaid. We need 100 like that. Spread throughout the earth. 
I don't know about other Usamas, but we know about Usama bin Zayd. <laughs> See, our situation, Muslims, is that we are still in the gymnasium doing push-ups and pull-ups, presses, and, you know, looking at ourselves. We are still reading the Qur'an for our own ajr, our own barakah, for our own illumination. But the Qur'an is not for you. It is only for you to learn. This is why the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, An Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an, khayrukum man ta'allam al-Qur'an wa allama, allama. Not just learn it, but teach it to others. But how do you teach it to others? Not just to others inside of the masjid. No. Teach the Qur'an to those who don't even heard of the Qur'an. Not just for your son, because you are selfish, you want to have a taj on the day of judgment. The Qur'an is not for taj on the day of judgment. This is kalamullah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينَ الْحَقِّ لِيُذْهِرَهُ عَلَى دِينِ كُلِّ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْكَافِرُونَ And in two other places, وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ وَالْكَافِرُونَ هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ صلى الله عليه وسلم بِالْهُدَى What is هُدَى? القرآن ذلك ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين see للهدى ودين الحق دين الحق دين القيم إن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين في نار جهنم خالدين فيها أولئك هم شر البرية إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَّةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defining for us huda walhaqqah Islam لِيُذْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّ In order that this huda and this haq which is composited in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لِيُذْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّ that it become over, dominant, superior, as a leading force over every kind of deen. Deen al-Masih, deen al-Yahud, deen al-Communist, deen al-Atheist, deen al-whatever, deen al-Nafs, deen al-Dunya, over every deen, this huda and this haq composited in Muhammad وسلم, represented by his ummah, it will come over. In spite of the Muslims. In spite of the Muslims. Because this is not our deen. Whose deen? It's not even deen of Muhammad. It's not the deen of Muhammad وسلم, this is deen of Allah. So Muhammad Sallallahu he does not have the power to establish his deen. He did his job. Who has the power to establish his deen? Allah. And Allah will do it. فَعَالُ لِمَا يُرِيدُ 
He is the doer of whatsoever he pleases. And he will do it in spite of us. Because he told you and me that if you will not enjoin the right and if you will not forbid the wrong, Allah will replace you with another people whom he will love and they will love him. And we Muslims, we are being replaced. Allah will replace. The grass, new grass, is pushing old grass out of the way. This is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for 40 years, or for 60 years, Islam has been in the incubation stage in Western Hemisphere. For 60 years, Muslims have started to assert themselves. For the last 20 years, Muslims have started to move forward. Not because they wanted to, but because Allah forced them to. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He forced Muslims out of their lands and he caused the kuffar to exploit them and to occupy them and to invade them and to push them out why because they would not move out to do the dawah on their own subhanallah you see the companions of rasulullah they moved out on their own so they didn't suffer this punishment but Allah caused us to suffer and look back to your families, look back to your nations. Most people who came to this country and other Western countries, they don't even want to go back. I know you send your zakat. I know you send some money. I know your conscience forces you to send something back. And I know that Every five years, you'll go back and spend a few months and try to make sure your heart and your consciousness. But after living in the West and having the freedom of speech and the freedom of movement and the liberties that the Kufars are giving us that really are liberties that Islam has given to us, we don't go back. So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, told us that it is illegal for a Muslim to reside in a kuffar country unless they're doing da'wah or they're here because they're seeking some knowledge they want to take back to the Muslims or they are undergoing some kind of medical procedure that when it finishes they should go back after they heal they should return back so who is legal to be here? now if you were born here as a citizen of this country second generation Muslim, maybe you have excuse, there's a distinction here. But then why are you remaining in a country which is being led? I mean, I know that this country had one day, five years ago, you had a Muslim president, didn't you? So this was your opportunity. I don't know what kind of Muslim he was. I don't know if he was Shafi, Hanbali, Sufi, Salafi. I don't know. It doesn't matter if he was a Muslim. 
the hundred thousand Muslims in this country should have used that opportunity to never allow him or someone else to come out of that office. Until you can get somebody into the office who will call himself prime minister or what you ever want to call it. We ain't that this is not political. It's not lecture about the politics. We're just saying that. We want a person to be in place who is a Muslim because he will facilitate the halal and he will discourage the haram. And he will promote things for Islam and for khair. And he could become a better person through the ulama and the fuqaha's guidance and dua. And if our president or prime minister is not a Muslim, the ulama and the fuqaha of this country, the students of knowledge of this country, they should be putting together a strategy as the messenger of Allah وسلم, did for the chiefs of the Quraysh to do what? To make sure that he gets direct dawah. Because the heart inside his chest and the brain inside his head, his skull, is the brain and the heart of an ins. Rajam, it can be commanded, it can be turned. Ya muqallib al-kulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik, said the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Allah is the one who turns the hearts. But we are only the ones that give the word to those hearts. We don't know. مَنْ يَحْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُذِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُذْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ We don't know who will accept Islam. Don't say this man, Mr. Manny, oh, he's kafir, he's blah, blah, this and that. Did you go talk to him? Did you? The Coptic king, what was his name? The Coptic king, Kibtia. Najashi. 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 He also was Kafir. From what? Deen al-Masih. But at that time, Allah sent him wahi to the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, to send his companions to the land of Najashi. Who was what? Kafir. Masih. But a king. A ruler. But he called him Rajilun Adilun. A decent man. Rajilun Adilun. A man known for his decency. His fairness. And he, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was Sadiqul Masduk. He was the truth, most truthful of anyone who spoke the truth. And Najashi, he did treat the Muslims good. He didn't give them a position. He didn't bring them near to him. But he let them live without any aggravation. And he gave to them honor. And he gave them liberty. And he gave them the position to work and to interact in their society as we are. And when the Quraysh, when the Kuffar, Adu'u Allah, Adu'u deen when they came to bring those Muslims back, 
after he heard the Quran and after he heard the testimony of Ja'far radiallahu an he cried and he said wallahi I will never ever give back these kinds of people to people like you and in secret he took his shahada because on one day he said to his people when they was gathered his cabinet he says oh my people what if i was to tell you that i accepted the faith of that man called muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they said we will kill you he said i'm just kidding <laughs> he's smart he's smart he took the position of asia he's smart he continued to be as he was but he prayed to allah in secret and he made tauba from his kufr and he took his shahada and he became a believer how we know that because when the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam found that he had died he stood up and he commanded the people to follow him in janaza he would never do that for a kafir so what's the difference between najashi and mr manning the difference is that no jafar no jafar ibn abi talib from us went to mr manning and spoke with him no one came to get us and bring us back so we are comfortable and i say to you muslims that from what i can see in this country and of course maybe you think i'm a dreamer but as i tell people a dream comes to those who are sleeping and i'm not sleeping but i have a vision and allah he knows what he wants to do but this country is as close to a paradise on earth as any country i have ever seen oh yes there is trouble in paradise <laughs> but you have everything since i've been here i had about 17 different kind of fruits subhanallah including rumman mentioned fruits mentioned in the paradise every different kind of meat fish <coughs> vegetable all the natural things that you just reach and grab and right there and this country has everything you don't even have to import no kind of food for into this country You are protected from the northern rains. You don't uh, have to suffer. Some people said that this country is uh, protected by God. And then I found the richest, most powerful resource of this country that I see is the people. I don't know about the the oil that they supposed to be in the ground and and about the asphalt lakes and uh, the bauxite and bananas and other stuff that you supposed to be importing everywhere coconuts and I don't know about that but I'm talking about the people you know subhanallah I really believe in my heart that if there are 1.3 million people in this country 
I think that there probably is one third of them waiting for Islam. Waiting for Islam! Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has wiped out the legitimacy of all other religion away. It's gone. No other religion has any legitimacy in the world today except Islam. The Catholic Church has been, Allah, have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, see when Allah wants to humiliate some people, He humiliates them in such a way that it's plain for everybody to see. In the last 20 years, 813 priests have been convicted of child molestation. So it's not like isolated. This is like pandemic. That means this is what they've been doing, just because you've been discovered. So, today, the Pope has announced, I read it in USA Today, the Pope has announced when he made his visit to the West, to Canada and Australia, he said that in the Western world, the church is dead. And we need to revive it. That's what he said. I didn't say that. And when I talk to the Christians, I read to them what the Pope said. And I tell them that the only thing he doesn't realize is that the revival is not going to come from the church. The revival is going to come from the scripture Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent after the church corrupted the message of Isa, alayhi salam. And if I were you Christians... I would start looking towards that revival. Just like a man that's in a parachute. He jumped out of the plane. And he, he's getting closer and closer to the ground. And the first one didn't open. Well, you better start pulling that emergency one. Because that's the only hope you got for you hit the ground. And that, that, that one that you pull in that emergency one is La ilaha illallah. Muhammad Rasulullah. That's the emergency parachute for you right now. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he have caused the dead fish to come to the top and caused let the live one swim. And as for all the other religions that are worshipping thousands of different gods, that's like a man in the forest looking for a tree. All the trees look the same. How are you going to find the right tree? He better worship the one who made those trees. They just waiting for Ibrahim salam, to come through and chop off all the heads and leave the axe in the big one. But the problem is us Muslims. What have we done to take the nur, the treasure of Islam outside of the masjid, outside of our homes, outside of ourselves to share it with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with our co-workers, with the people in government. What have we done? Do you say they're kufar? Forget them. Well, I say to you that all the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they did not say they were kufar and leave them. And even if we were to say that Nuh, Alayhi salam, after 950 years, you know the dua he made. Subhanallah. 
He said, oh Allah, look, I've been giving dawah to these people for all this time that you know. Oh Allah, subhanahu these people is ungrateful, these people is filthy. I don't see no benefit in none of them. And oh Allah, I make dua on them that you don't leave on the earth, not a single one of them left. Subhanallah. You know when a prophet make that kind of dua, that's it. That's it. But Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is rahmatin lil alameen. He never made that kind of dua. When they punished him, when they killed his companions, when they prevented him, when they cursed him, he never made that kind of dua. He always had in his feeling for the people that there's a possibility. If I smile, if I treat them nice, if I give them good manners, if I continue with them, some of them, their children or somebody, they will accept. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this, that I see this in the people of Trinidad. I see the people of Trinidad are basically a people of faith. They might be in the wrong faith, and they might be even practicing that wrong faith backwards. But they are people who have a feeling for faith. And secondly, you can talk with them. And anytime you can talk with people, you have the opportunity to reach their hearts and to reach their minds. Because this is where our dawah is headed. Dawah is not for the person, it's for the mind and for the heart. Because the heart and the mind is what Allah put inside the human being to register. To register ideas, feelings, understandings, fahim, the aql, the qalb. The dawah is made for the qalb. The dawah is made for the aql. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna anzalnahu Qur'anan arabiyya la'allakum ta'qilun. Ta'qilun. He sent this Qur'an in a perspicuous Arabic tongue in order that it may affect or benefit the aql. Everyone has some aql unless Allah blocks it. Everyone has feelings, emotions, unless Allah blocks it. And we don't know whom Allah has blocked. Our job is to do what? Brothers, sisters, take the treasure of Islam off your table. Take it out of your house. Take it out of the closet. Move it out of the mosque. Take it out and meet and talk and exchange and offer the proposition of deen to the people of this country. And you will find that if you make the effort, it may take you a year to produce another Muslim like you. I mean for somebody to accept your neighbor, your colleague, your co-worker. It may take you a year to produce one. But if every adult Muslim in this country which is at least 40,000, was to make one. How many of you have the first year? And there are some Muslims among you that will do 100 or 200 a year. How do I know? Because your weak, unlearned, new Muslim brother, who I admit that I am not such a person with good taqwa. I'm not such a person with good knowledge. But 
as a tool. I have myself seen with my hands over 16,000. 16,000. And I find now that if I talk to 100 non-Muslims, 10, 12, they accept like that, they accept it. Because Allah has made them ready. Allah has already shaked and baked them. Allah has already laminated them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already, what you call it when you just take the vegetables and what you call it? Huh? No. Wait, marinate. Allah has already marinated them. They've already been buttered and battered. Their lives are empty. They are like people on the desert. They're just looking for anything. So when we offer them the Islamic proposition, it is beautiful. It is a relief for them. And if they don't accept Islam directly, they will become allies. And if they will become like Abu Talib, Alhamdulillah. If they don't accept Islam, up to them. But at least they will have good words for us. They will help us. They will live with us. They will speak good about us. And it's not on us for them to be Muslim or not. Because Allah even told Muhammad, وسلم, you will not cause those whom you love to become guided. But Allah will guide whomsoever He wills. This is our responsibility. To give this da'wah. To spread this da'wah. Because if you don't believe it, I believe it that this country, one day I believe the caliber will fly from the capital. I believe that one day the majority of this country will love Muslims or they will be Muslim. I believe this country is closer to that of Indonesia than any other country in the world right now. In Indonesia, no army came and conquered Indonesia. It was the akhlaq of Muhammad wasallam. It was the nur of the Quran. It was the beauty of Islam that conquered Indonesia. And I believe that same akhlaq and that same nur and I believe that same beauty and power. This is only an island. This is not Indonesia. Just a small island with all these masjids, and all these scholars in Darul Ulum and Darul Quran wal Hadith and students of knowledge and masjids and subhanAllah, Muslims who are doing well, doing business. Look, just a television station, even if you don't agree with television. Let's say you don't like it, you don't agree with it. Okay, say it's makru, say it's haram, say whatever. But that instrument, if anybody doesn't know the effect of the instrument, they can tell it now. Because that instrument can be used for, for, for shar, or it can be used for khayr. If you don't know the benefit of the internet, it can be used for shar, or it can be used for khayr. Because today, with the internet, if you want to get an alam, you want to get a certificate of alamiyah, you can get it today on the internet through long distance learning. There are 17 institutions in the world that offer this course on the internet with live lectures in 16 languages. All you have to do is be disciplined enough to cut the internet on, go to that website, sit right there, listen, type in the information, fill out the forms, mail in the, the, the essays, they examine it, send it back to you, and after four years or five years, they give you the certificate. 
Yes, you do have to go someplace. They send you every year for one month to get polished up a little bit. Yes, even they're offering certificate programs in seerah, in Quran, in tafsir, in fiqh, in balagha, in different hadith. They're offering that on the internet. They're offering a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a PhD on the internet. Lectures from scholars in 39 languages. Quran, we delivered 45,000 Qurans last year in 37 languages for free to whoever contacted us over the internet. So it has, of course, you must get on the internet and navigate carefully because if you fall off this way or fall off that way, you might fall in a, in a hole of pus because it is dangerous. So young people, let your parents guide you because you don't know the way through that minefield. The television is like that. So I say to you, brothers and sisters, this television station, IBN, I don't want to speak about the man or the people or nothing. I just tell you this. That in six months' time, they gave over 200 shahadas. Can you imagine that? 200 people just look at the TV and call up on the telephone and say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They didn't come to a masjid. Just inside their home. This is just only Trinidad. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, from my experience, that same telecast could be in 27 countries where the English language is spoken, and at one given time, 27 times 200 would have been how much? 5,400 could have taken shahada in the last six months with the same telecast. This is da'wah. This is da'wah. It is spreading. This is da'wah. This is shouting. This is calling. Da'wah to ilay. This is da'wah. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Udu'u ila sabili rabbik bil hikmah wal maw'idatun hasanat wa jadilhum billati hiya ahsan. Verily your Lord knows best who is, who goes astray, and he knows who is, who is guided. So brothers and sisters, I'm saying to you that the scholars, this station, what it needs, it needs a committee of people who will guide them. Just a committee of people who will guide them. Who will help Sheikh Hisham? He's just Shab. He's Sheikh. But Shab. Shab, Sheikh. No, no, like this one. He's Sheikh. The Muslims will call him Sheikh. Sheikh of the Quran. He's not all Sheikh. He's Shab Sheikh. But what they need, they need the guidance of the elders so they can be supported. And this station just needs the guidance. It needs the help of the people who have money. And it needs the help of the people who have knowledge. And it needs the help of the people who have nothing else except some time to lift and to carry and to... Everyone will get the ajar. Everyone will get the ajar. One lady told me, she said to me, Sheikh, 
you don't know me, but I took Shahada from you in 1987. And I've been doing Dawah now since that time. And now I have seven children, they're all Muslims. I sent one to Egypt, he just graduated. I sent another one, he just come from, just came from Mecca now. They're all making dua for you. And me, she says, Sheikh, I'm involved in Dawah in Chicago. And so far, since 1987, I gave 200 and something shahada. I'm just telling you this, Sheikh, because sometimes you don't know to help you, maybe encourage you to keep going. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. I came all the way here to see these brothers, but Allah, Allah, he does, Allah, he knows. I came to see these brothers, but on Saturday morning, on Friday, a lady called me and said she want to come talk. And it was a non-Muslim lady. She was saying, thank you for the program and so on, so blah, 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 and my daughter's this and that. She came Saturday to bring her daughter to take shahada. But the woman I sensed when she brought her daughter, I sensed from her that her heart was transmitting iman. I felt it. I saw her face. So I decided I'm going to give her dower through her daughter. She was sitting there. And her daughter was already ready. She was already baked and breaded already. She was already, what you, I mean, uh, she, she was already, um, what we call it before? Marinated and buttered. She was ready. But I spent 20 minutes giving her mother da'wah without the mother knowing it. So at the end I said, you know, sister, her name was Jerusalem. Subhanallah. Her name was Jerusalem. So we got Jerusalem back. Ah, we got Jerusalem back. I said, you know, Jerusalem, whoever brought you here, whoever brought you here, they also feel like you feel. Otherwise, why are they bringing you here, delivering you to do this, if they don't think it's good themselves? The problem is, whoever brought you here, if they want this good for you, how they leave out themselves when they're twice your age? How they know, if you leave here and don't take shahada, you will fall down the steps and break your neck and kill yourself, and you dead, where are you going? But if you, Jerusalem, become a Muslim, you die tomorrow, Jannah for you. Because this shahada will be kafara. This will be maghfira for you. But the one who brought you, they sit and watch you and hear you, and they also believe this is correct, and they know they will be doubly responsible in front of Allah, and if they fall down the steps and break their neck, Jahannam. Then I turned to the lady and I said, Listen, um, miss, do, do, you, do you believe what your daughter believes? She said, Yes. I said, so then, do you bear witness there's none be worshipped except the Lord? She said, yes. Do you bear witness that Muhammad's messenger? She said, yes, somebody said. I said, oh, that's beautiful. Then, then we just say the shahada together. Just like that. <laughs> so the mother and the daughter, they become Muslims on Saturday. Her name was Anna. I told her, subhanAllah, this country has thousands of people like that. I never seen that before. And the young girl, when we gave her the shahada, 
she spoke the Arabic like she was speaking it all of her life. She said, I've read about the Prophet Muhammad wasallam." She said, I have been reading the Quran. And I believe it. She said some things, I could not believe it. So, these are the kinds of people that you have in your midst, that you are walking past diamonds. You running past diamonds, trying to get rich. The diamonds is right there. The Prophet said, if one person accepts Islam through your hands, if one person is guided by your hands, he said to Ali ibn Abi Talib, if one person is guided through your hands, it's better than you, to you than what? Khumrul Ni'm. Khumrul Ni'm. Red camels. Red Bentleys. Red Hummers. Or red jet planes. Whatever kind of vehicle today is the best that anybody can imagine. Better for you. Khairun min dunya wa ma fiha. O Muslims, you have an obligation to give dawah to these people. You have an obligation to spread this deen. You have an obligation to open up your hands and open up your homes and open up your masjids so the treasure of this deen can be seen by the people of this nation. Those who are the most eloquent, the people who are the most educated, the people who have the ability, you must, you must, you must go to the people who are the chiefs of this people. You must make a way to invite them, to sit with them, to talk with them, to invite them, and to let them know that they are responsible for hearing the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must do that, because if you don't do that, and you die, you will be, you will be responsible for having behaved like Yahudis. Because the Yahudis, they did that. They received what Allah gave to them, and they believe it was for them. And they didn't want to share it with nobody. As they do today. Yahudis never give nobody shahada. Because they are selfish and they are greedy. And they are mal'oon. And today, unfortunately, Muslims are selfish and greedy. And because of that, Allah is punishing us. We can see that, that Allah, this is a lie to Allah. So, I invite you. Muslims, to make tawbah. This is the age of tawbah. Make tawbah. Reform yourself. Make tazkiyah. Purify yourselves. قَدْ عَفْلَهَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَ وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَ Muslims, make tawbah. Reform yourselves. Make a new decision. Put it in your minds to share this Islam with your neighbor, with your colleague, with your co-worker, with the people of this nation. Don't just say that people are Kafirs or they are this or they are that, so to make yourself seem like you are exempt from talking to them. You are not better than anybody because you are Muslim. No, it is a favor from Allah that you are a Muslim, but Allah gave you this favor to share with his other creatures. I ask of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Forgiveness and mercy for me and for you. Guidance upon this path for me and for you. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open the hearts and open the minds and open the doors and open the homes of the kuffar in their offices, in their government, and in their homes to the nur of Islam. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this dawah will penetrate their hearts and their minds and this dawah will settle upon this country just like 
a dew like a snowfall. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the people of this country will continue to benefit from all of the rizq which he is giving them in continued abundance, but that the Muslims will be the most appreciative of it and that they themselves will fulfill the responsibility and the mandate of da'wah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive me for my shortcomings and for my words, which maybe I inadvertently I injure or I insult someone. I did not mean that. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that my visit to this country is one that he will count as an ajra on my scales and that it will be a, a sayyat that Allah will replace with some good deeds on the day of judgment. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the hearts of the leaders of the Muslims, they will become people of khushu' not only in the salah, but towards each other. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will join our hearts together as only Allah can do because of our sincerity. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring his ummah together that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring their hearts and their minds together, that they will eat together and sit together and talk together, and that their scholars of different persuasions will meet together and respect each other and take the responsibility of carrying this deen through this country and into the rest of the Caribbean, while other Muslim scholars will do the same. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, because this is not difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we Muslims, that we will humble ourselves to each other, and we will increase the brotherhood, that we will increase the brotherhood, and that we will truly work for the jama'ah of the Muslims. We ask Allah to bless the leadership of the Muslims, that we will follow them and support them, even if they're not good, they will become better. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the leaders will have the wisdom to set up a means by which to regulate the Muslims, regulate their conduct, and extract from them the rights of the people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Muslims, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them what they need for their empowerment, empowerment, so the dunya which belongs to Allah, Allah's slave dunya, will become the slave of his servants. O oh, Muslims, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, even though we are servants which are not worthy of anything. Even our dua is not worthy, but less worthy servants made these kinds of dua, and Allah, He gave to them. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant wa nastaghfiruk wa natubu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.